Do you have questions? Do you need answers? The Pastor Study will help you find those answers through God's Word. Our teacher today is Pastor Tom Brock. The Pastor Study is sponsored by PastorStudy.org. So grab your Bible and join us for The Pastor Study. Welcome to The Pastor Study. Many, many years ago, when I was 16 years old, I was at a party, and a young girl, 16-year-old girl comes up, Tom, I heard you're a Christian, and I've been reading a book about the end of the world, and, and I want to make sure I'm a Christian. How can I make sure I'm a Christian? And I remember my exact words to her. Uh, duh, um, I, uh, duh, I had no idea what to tell her. Let me tell you what the purpose of this half-hour program is today. I want everyone at the end of this half an hour to know how to share Christ with another human being. I will tell you that the most important class I've ever taken in my life was my typing class in ninth grade, because I can really type. But then I took a course in college on evangelism. That now is far and away the very most important class I've ever taken, because I know how to share Christ now. I mean, when my dad was dying of his brain tumor, I didn't know how to share the gospel at that point. And then he died, and a month later, I, I discovered how to share the gospel. And I've had about 16 dreams where dad's on his deathbed, and before I can say Jesus died for your sins, he'd always die on me. Horrible dreams. When my mom was dying, by the grace of God, nothing was going to keep me from going into that hospital room and, and sharing Christ with my mom, and I'm so glad I did. So the purpose of this program is, how do you talk to people about Jesus? What do you say? Well, let's get into that. Uh, if you would, take out your Bible in the New Testament. We're going to see what Paul preached to convert people. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And before we begin, let's pray. Father, we want to pray for every person watching this program now that you'll teach each of us, not just how to believe, but also how to share that belief with others. So, Father, we all have people we know that do not know Christ. Help us each become now an evangelist and speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. What did Paul go around the Roman Empire preaching that converted everybody? He had a very simple message. Let's hear what it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Now I, the Apostle Paul, make known to you, Corinthians, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you stand, by which you are saved, if you hold fast the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Here we go. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. The two things Paul repeatedly preached was, Christ died for our sins, he rose from the dead. If you want to convert somebody, you stick to those two things. Christ died for your sins, he rose from the dead. I'll tell you what happened to me. I, when I was raised in Omaha, two of my buddies were atheists, David and Jeff. During high school and during the first part of college, we'd argue all the time. I would preach Adam and Eve. They would preach evolution. We'd go back and forth and got nowhere. Then somebody taught me how to share the gospel. Excuse me here. 
using this little pamphlet. It's called the Four Spiritual Laws. And they said, Tom, you don't argue evolution. You, you, you preach the gospel. And so I went to David and Jeff, and I, and I said to them, if you give me five minutes with you guys, I will promise never to bring up God again. And they said, okay. And I read through this little booklet to them, and it talks about how Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead, and if you receive him, you can have eternal life. Well, I, I shared that with them. They both took the little book. That night, David became a Christian. He told me he went home to his bedroom and prayed the prayer in the book. Jeff didn't, but he, he, years later he told me, you know, Tom, I still got that little yellow book. <laughs> so you know what I learned from that? If you want to share Christ with someone, you don't argue about Adam and Eve. You don't argue about Noah and the ark. You go right to the basics. Christ died for your sins and you rose from the dead. And you stick to that. Let me tell you a story. Years ago, I got a phone call from a buddy. Tom, there's some atheists at the University of Minnesota, philosophy majors. They want a couple of Christians to come over to their house and present the Christian gospel so they can argue with it. And he said, I don't want to go alone. Will you go with me? <laughs> and I said, okay. We drove over to the University of Minnesota. And before we got out of the car, we prayed. Oh, Lord, we pray for the salvation of the young men in this house. Help us stick to the gospel. Help us not get lost. Stick us to the gospel. We go into the house. You could smell marijuana everywhere. My buddy Dean gets up with a big piece of paper and he starts explaining the gospel. We're all sinners, etc. Christ came down from earth, died down to earth, died on the cross, rose from the dead. If you believe in him, you'll be saved. He does a good job presenting the gospel. One of the atheists says, but how can you expect us to believe that Noah got two kinds of every animal in one ark? There, that, there's no way that's going to happen. And my buddy Dean says, well, I believe in Noah and the ark. God can do anything. You don't have to believe, however, in Noah and the ark to be saved. But what 1 Corinthians 15 says, you need to believe Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead. Next atheist. Well, yeah, but... Jonah lived three days and three nights in the belly of a whale. That's impossible. The gastronomic juices would have destroyed him, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and I popped up, and I said, you know, I believe Jonah lived three days and three nights. It doesn't say whale, by the way. It says a big fish. But, you know, God, God can do anything. But you don't have to believe in Jonah to be saved. The Bible says believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. That he died for your... You know, I'll tell you what. We, you could just feel it in the room. It was hitting because we were appealing to their conscience about their sin and their need for a salvation and need for forgiveness and the need for a savior. It was hitting. I don't know what they ever did with it, but we stuck to the gospel. So again, what do you talk to someone about so they'll become a Christian? You stick to two things. Christ died for our sins and he rose from the dead. Now, let's ask the next question. That's what we share. Next question is, how do you share the gospel? Let me give you a few different ways that you can talk to people about Jesus. The way I like to do the very best is to say, can I just ask you two questions? Question number one, if you died tonight, are you sure you'd go to heaven? And question number two, if you died tonight and stood before God and he said, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? Get those two questions in your head. Are you sure you're going to heaven? The Bible says you can know for sure. And question number two, if you died and God said, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? Before we take you through the right answer to that second question, let me tell you the wrong answers, all right? 
Nine out of ten people, if you say, why do you think you're going to heaven, the number one wrong answer is, I've been good. Let me explain why that's not going to work. I have a friend, Todd Friel. He's a radio disc jockey of a Christian station. He was anyway up here. He would go to the Minnesota State Fair with a microphone on the radio, and he'd stop people in the crowd. Say, can I ask you, sir, just a couple spiritual questions? Sure. Number one, are you sure you're going to heaven? Well, I hope so. Well, the Bible says you can know so, but sir, can I ask you question number two? If, if you died and God said, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? Well, I think I've been pretty good. And then Todd takes them through the Ten Commandments, and he says, let's see how good you are. Commandment number one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Is God the most important thing in your life every day? Well, uh, commandment number two, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Do you ever say, O Lord, O God, uh, do you ever take Jesus' name in vain? Have you ever profaned the name of God? Well, commandment number three, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Do you go to church every Sunday? Well, commandment number four, honor your father and mother. Did you ever disobey your parents? Takes them through five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. If the, if the man is being honest with himself, he knows he's not good. And Todd Friel will say, you know, you're a sinner, so am I. We can't get to heaven by being good because we're sinners. There's got to be a whole different way to get saved. It's called grace. And, we'll, and, and So that's the number one wrong answer is, I've been good. And you've got to humbly tell people, no, you haven't. You're a sinner like me. Second wrong answer. Why do you think God will let you into heaven? You put the microphone at the state fair and some people say, well, I believe in God. At which point you say, the devil believes in God. The devil's not going to heaven. Just believing there's a creator doesn't save anyone. <laughs> a third wrong answer. Well, I think I should go to heaven because I go to church. And you know what we say to that one? Walking into a church doesn't make you a Christian any more than walking into a barn makes you a cow. So you can't get to heaven by going to church, by believing in God, or by being good. There's a whole different way to be saved. And, and here's, here's the way I like to share the gospel. Here we go. I take out my billfold, and I say, up here is heaven. Heaven is God's perfect home. If you want to get up into heaven, you have to be just like God is, absolutely perfect. And this billfold represents sin. God won't let sin up into heaven. If God allowed sin in heaven, you'd have hatred, murder, crime, rape, abortion, pornography. It'd be America all over again. So God does not allow sin to get up into heaven. And this hand represents you and me, a typical human being. And the problem is we're all loaded with sin. We sin in thought, word, and deed daily. That's the bad news. Here's the gospel, the good news. 2,000 years ago, God comes down from heaven and he becomes a human being. He's born in a manger. His name is Jesus. He lives about 33 years on earth. He never sinned once because he was God. One day, it's called Good Friday, he went up and he took our sins off of us and he put our sins on his back. He carried our sins up to the cross. They put nails through his hands and feet. All the sins we deserve to get punished for, he took our punishment for us. He paid for our sins in our place so we could be forgiven. It killed him. He was buried, and our sins are buried with Christ. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. He goes back into heaven, and now God promises you, no matter what sins you may have committed, if you will turn to Jesus, ask his forgiveness, and trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins, you're going to heaven when you die. If somebody stops you on the street and says, why do you think you're going to heaven? The answer is, not because I'm good, because I'm not. 
the only reason I'm going to heaven is Jesus died for my sins, period. That's my only hope. It's called grace. <laughs> so you can share the gospel by asking those two questions. You can do the billfold illustration. <clears throat> Let me give you another way to share the gospel. Give your testimony. Tell them your story. When I'm on an airplane, I normally don't say to the person next to me, are you sure you're going to heaven? And uh, if you said, if you died and God said, why should I let you know? That's kind of blunt and, and, and bold. It's a great way to share the gospel. But normally, I'll do it a little easier. And I'll say to them, can I tell you what happened to me? I was raised in the church. And I think I got the misconception growing up that the way you get into heaven is by being good and keeping the Ten Commandments. But then I was in college. And after a Bible study that I led, a college girl takes me aside and she says, Tom, are you sure you're saved? I said, I think I'm saved. She said, no, are you sure? And, and that's when somebody shared with me, we can be saved, but not by our goodness, but only by the death of Christ. And because it depends on him and grace and not you and how good you are, you can be sure you're saved because it depends 100% on Jesus. That's when the light bulb went on. And I just tell them my story. And I don't say, you have to do this. And you to, I just say, I came to know now that my sins are forgiven because it depends on Christ. So one easy way to show the gospel, just tell somebody what happened to you. Let me give you another way to share the gospel. Give them a pamphlet. Go to a Christian bookstore and get something called the Four Spiritual Laws, or there's a, there's a plethora of salvation tracts and this is the little thing that was shared with me in college that helped me understand grace and how to be saved. And you know what I did? When my aunts and uncles were dying a few years ago, I, I mustered up a little bit of guts, I prayed, and I mailed all of my aunts and uncles this little booklet. And I said, you know, some of us are dying now, and I just want to make sure all of us go to heaven when we die. Would you please read this? And I'm so glad I sent it, because now all but one of them are dead. So one way to share the gospel is to just say, you know, I, I had a Jewish roommate in college, and I don't think he would have sat still for me to it, sat down and really explain the whole gospel. But before I, I ended the year with him, I said, you know, Hal, can I give you this? It's just a, how to make sure your sins are forgiven and you're going to heaven when you die. And I know he read it. He didn't like it too much, but I know he read it. So one way is to hand or give someone a pamphlet. Another way to share the gospel, tell them a story. This is a true story. World War I, a man named Homer Larson got the Congressional Medal of Honor posthumously, that means after he died, because when a live grenade fell into his foxhole, he threw himself on the grenade, he took the blast, killed him, but it saved every other man in his foxhole. That's what Jesus did. The grenade is the wrath of God. Jesus goes to the, Jesus on the cross absorbs God's anger against my sin. He pays my sin debt so I could be saved. That's what Jesus, or you, you just tell somebody a story. So you can tell a story, you can hand someone a track, or just tell people what happened to you, ask them those two questions. But one last point. It's not enough to tell people about Jesus. Once you've told them then, and I'm not so good at this, I gotta admit, you not just tell them, then you invite them to Jesus. That, that course that I told you about in evangelism, the best, most important class by a long shot I've ever taken, they made us go door to door in a neighborhood over in St. Anthony, sharing the gospel with, with people that happened to be home. Mostly it was housewives at that point. And so we're going door to door, 
and we're sharing these little books with people. And the trainer then turns to me and says, okay, Tom, the next one is yours. And I got very nervous. I had never done this in my life. We ring the doorbell. A 16-year-old Catholic boy comes to the door. And I say, <clears throat> can we ask you a couple questions? And he said, yes. And we asked him, are you sure you're going to heaven? What would you say? And he didn't quite know. And so I said, have you ever heard of the four spiritual laws? And I just read the book through to him. But then at the end of the book, you invite them. And I said to him, would you like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And I'm very nervous. And this 16-year-old Catholic boy looks at me and says, I really would. And inwardly I'm thinking, you're kidding. <laughs> and we, on his doorstep, we prayed the prayer. First person I've ever led to the Lord uh, was that 16-year-old boy. And, and you know what I learned then? It's not enough just to tell people. You then invite people. So everybody tell people about Jesus, but then invite them, and then invite them to come to church with you or whatever, because a lot of times people pray the prayer and it's over and they're about as saved as the devil. You not only pray the prayer, you then get involved in the life of a good church. Those are the things we need to do to share the gospel. Let's sum this up. Let's say mom or dad are dying in the hospital. What do you tell them on the deathbed? Or what do you talk to the person in the plane next, in your next seat? You say this. Jesus died for your sins, he rose from the dead, trust him, believe in him, and you will be saved. That is all you do. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, can we go a little further with about witnessing or talking to others about Jesus? Um, why is it so difficult to talk to people about Jesus? Yeah, and I think it's most difficult with our own family. And I, I, I think, I, as I, I think two things are going on. Fear of rejection. They're going to think I'm a nut if I bring up Jesus. That's part of it is fear of rejection. I think another thing though is going on, all of hell does not want me to open my mouth about Jesus. So there is a spiritual battle going on also that we can't see. But... Do you remember, Jackie, I've told this story more than once. C.S. Lewis had an illustration that, do you want to know how to wreck a fancy dinner party? He said, wait till there's a lull in the conversation and bring up the name Jesus and watch everybody get nervous, look down at their water glass and change the subject. Because when we bring up Jesus, it makes people nervous because a lot of people deep down know they should be following Jesus and they know they're not and they want to change the subject. So it's a touchy thing people. What about in the workplace? I mean, there are so many restrictions yeah. placed on people yeah. now that you really mm -hmm. hesitate to even bring up. Well, I think we need to be wise. I, we do, at the moment, in America, still have freedom of religion, freedom of speech. Uh, I think you shouldn't browbeat people about Jesus at work, but to humbly, lovingly bring him up, I think that's still legal. It should be. And, you know, Jackie, talking about being scared and nervous I, I too when i'm when i'm in a plane and the person next to me is there and i'm i'm thinking about sharing the gospel with that person i get nervous but you know what the verse i like jesus said to the disciples acts 1 8 when the holy spirit comes upon you you shall receive boldness and become my witnesses so you just pray god fill me with your holy spirit today may i share you with one other person help me be bold you pray that's a good prayer to start your day mm, off it, is. it gives you some boldness mm -hmm. that we don't so how does a person get over that fear and become a bold witness? Yeah, 
I think part of it is to say that prayer in the morning. God, may I share you with one other person today. Help me not wimp out. Give me the boldness of the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. So once you prayed, you go out into your day, and then you see what happens. And uh, Jackie, I pray that prayer real regularly. It doesn't happen every day by any means, but some days it does. It also helps, again, to be part of a good church where you're learning how to share the gospel with others and you're getting strengthened in your own faith. Yeah. I think, too, that my biggest fear sometimes is my own inadequacies. Mm -hmm. And I think you've just brought mm -hmm. up a very wise point that you have to continue learning yeah. in order to be able to continue sharing. Right. And, you know, sometimes the most powerful thing you can say if they bring up, well, how come a good God permits all this evil in the world or whatever? You can say, I don't know. You can say, that's a good question. Uh, I don't have all the answers as a Christian. Because sometimes Christians, when they're witnessing, come off as know-it-alls, and that's not good either. <laughs> well, that's, that's a very valid point that you make, is to be humble and say, I yes. don't have all the answers, but the two things that right. are important for you to know. Yeah. Okay. What do you say to a person who says, I'm afraid if I bring up Jesus, people will think I'm just being pushy? Uh-huh. Well, there are Christians that are too pushy. And, that you, you know, you, I remember somebody telling me about a Christian at work, and he said, I wish he would keep his mouth shut because he was a really obnoxious human being, and then he was talking about Jesus a lot. And we need to make sure that our lives match our, our, our words. But, um, you know, I, I think the, the problem, though, with 90% of the Christians is not that we're too pushy. It's that we never bring Jesus up. So the, there are maybe 10% that get too pushy. 90% of us are way too timid. And, and so what Paul says is to Timothy, Timothy, correct your opponents with gentleness if perhaps God may grant that they would be uh, enlightened and repentant. So when we share the gospel, we do it humbly. We do it lovingly. We don't put our finger in their face that I'm better than you and I, I'm going to heaven and you're not. Nah. We go humbly. Look, we're all sinners. Me too. Let me tell you about my Savior. So do we do that when people come door knocking from the different well, things? Well, you know, I, I, Jackie, a lady that you know and I know from the church, she said, you know, Pastor Brock, the Jehovah's Witnesses came to my door and I slammed it in their face. And she said it as if, isn't that great? No, it isn't. When the Jehovah's Witnesses come to my door, I'm loving, I'm humble. I talk to them. I maybe don't let them into the house, but I'll have a good long conversation at the door with, do you know that... Jesus is God. He's not a creature like the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that that Jesus is the archangel Michael. The whole first chapter of Hebrews was written to show that Jesus is not an angel. So it's, or was that the Mormons? Is it the Mormons that believe he's the archangel Michael? Anyway, but when the cults show up at your door, be they Mormon, Jehovah's Witnesses, or whatever, you lumbly, lovingly, humbly share the gospel because they don't they don't have the assurance of their salvation. Is there a difference? of how the different branches of Christianity share the gospel? Yeah, there are. God, the Baptists, God bless them, I think are the best on this. The Baptists tend to be very vocal about their faith. Um, some churches, the Lutheran, uh, Catholic, Episcopal, they raise their children in the faith, which is great, but who are the churches that are saving the world right now? It's the Baptists and the Pentecostals. They're the ones that are out there preaching the gospel. And I'm saying that as a Lutheran. Yeah. Well, the Lutherans do have some problems, though. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, some people will say that they don't need to talk to people about Jesus or 
you know, Christianity or anything, that they can just witness for Christ through their actions. Yeah, in other words, supposedly St. Francis of Assisi in the year 1100 or so said, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. I'm not sure he said that, but if he did, I don't agree with it. Look, Jackie, if, if you're dying in the hospital and I come over and I plop up your, your pillow and I, I pat you on the head and I'm real nice to you and I've got a cure in my pocket on how you can be cured and get out of that hospital bed, it's not enough for me to be nice. I've got to take that cure out and tell you I got a cure and hand it to you. I mean, it's not a, and Jackie, I don't know if you've ever had, I, I've never had anybody come up and say, Tom, you're so wonderful, what's your secret? I tell them, no, we need to share verbally, not just by our actions, which is important, but we also verbally need to share. But Tom, our actions can sometimes lead us to an opportunity to witness. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you look at the diversity in some of your neighborhoods now. I mean, do I say something to that man that's working in the garden on the other side of the fence next yeah. to me? Yeah. Um, I think you pray for an opening. I do. I've got Muslim neighbors myself, and I've never met them. Uh, but uh, the people right next door to me were living in sin, and eventually she and I had the talk, and it was a long, wonderful talk. But it took a few years, and I was praying and praying and praying, and it finally happened. So, so just because you don't have an opportunity right at one point, you have to look around the corner. Indeed, indeed. And try yeah. to find something. That's right. So, how do you? start a conversation with someone? What would be your suggestion? You know, that can be a hard one. Uh, it, sometimes you ask the Lord to bring it up, and, and, or sometimes you just say, you know, do you ever think about spiritual things and hear what they say? Hear them out first. Or another way is, why do you think the world is in such a mess today? And everybody wants to tell you their theory of why the world's a mess. And then you say, can I tell you what, what I believe? The Bible says the problem is we're all sinners, etc., and we need a Savior, etc., so. I like the idea of starting out, but why do you think the world is so messed yeah. up today? Yeah, you'll get an opinion. <laughs> Everybody's got an opinion about that one, I yeah, think. Yeah, that's right. So, Pastor Brock, we've only got a minute left. Mm -hmm. Can we tell people a little bit about what's happening sure. with our ministry? Sure. Everybody, we want you to pray for our ministry. We're trying to expand it so that we might get on a network where we'll reach into 80 million homes. So that takes prayer and it takes a lot of finances. If God would lead you to pray for us or find out more about how you can support this ministry, you go to Pastor Study, two S's, pastorstudy.org, or look for the um, phone number and the address at the end of the program. Also, if you need a preacher in your church, I'm available to speak at various churches. So pray for us, and if the Lord leads you to support us, we'd sure appreciate that. We want to thank you for being with us this week. We pray that God would be with you, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Pastor Study. We ask, would you pray for our ministry as we seek to spread the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ? And would you pray about supporting this ministry? Our address is The Pastor Study, 5200 Emerson Avenue North, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55430. Our website is pastorstudy.org. And our phone number is 763-260-4484.
May God richly bless you and join us next week at the same time as we study God's Word. Until then, may the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you.